0: Welcome to episode 24 of the European Show. So today I'm joined by Nick. Hi, welcome back. And and we're going to sadly start on a very somber note, as as today it was announced that Marco Rosa, the Borussia Mönchengladbach manager, will be joining Borussia Dortmund in the summer, and I am I am I'm gutted. Honestly, I was close to crying. And it's also been reported that he's going to take some of his backroom staff with him, such as Rene Maric, who is a tactical mastermind, and I'm not just saying that through bias. He genuinely is and is key to to the way Munch and Gladbach play. And so yeah, it does mean Bruce Munch and Gladbach will have to look for a new manager. With Jesse March of RB Salzburg, Florian Koveld of Werder Bremen, and Adi Hutter of Frankfurt, all being linked to the job. So, Nick, what do you what do you think this means for Borussia Mönchengladbach going forward?
1: Well, I mean, after all, you are you are the the expert on this. But the way I see it, it's it, it's a it's a pretty devastating blow to them. I, I definitely understand why you praise Marco Rhodes so much. He really is just so good at, at man management and, and making a solid team overall. And, and and Borussia Mönchengladbach will definitely miss him. And the way I see it, he is downgrading his team. He is going from a, a, a side that is very promising and is doing just very well Overall, like okay, they're not as consistent as they as they need to be to be behind the table or anything like that. But they're very exciting to watch. They're they're just lots of fun and they promise a lot. Meanwhile, Dortmund are almost the opposite. They're a little bit dead. You can see that they are tumbling down instead of rising up the table. And, and I I I don't I I know why he he would have taken the job right. He wants to join the famous Dortmund whatever, but. I don't know he he should have probably stayed I, I, don't, I don't know the way you see it
0: yeah I do think he should have stayed because because obviously it, it's unknown if Borussia Mönchengladbach could finish ahead to Borussia Dortmund meaning if Borussia if Mönchengladbach managed to pull it off they make it into the Champions League and Borussia Dortmund don't and so that, that does mean that Marco Rosa will be managing a team either in the Europa League or not at all. And that would be a downgrade from what he's currently at, at Brisbane Gladbach. But it obviously does mean he he does follow a, a similar career path to that of Jurgen Klopp, who he did manage or he did play under when Jurgen Klopp was manager of Mainz. So I'm not I'm not saying anything but the way the trend's going it may mean that Marco Rose is the next future manager of Liverpool which I would also accept, and
1: he wins the Champions League and League, I'm sure.
0: But this does throw the future of some players in in the Borussia Mönchengladbach squad does throw their future into doubt, as obviously you have highly rated players who will be who have been heavily scouted and look like they they would move in the summer in Florian Neuhaus and Dennis Sicaria Maybe wanting to leave now, because obviously they don't know how their future's going to go.
1: Where would you want your your beloved Florian now has to go? What what team do you think you will end up at if he leaves?
0: Obviously, with my heart, I would want Liverpool. But with my head, I, I could see him easily following Marco Rosa to Dortmund. Because... Because he he would like to continue his development under a manager that he knows how he's going to play, and it won't affect him in any in any great way.
1: Well, if 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 he's as good as you say he is, and he plays in the Bundesliga, he's going to end up at Bayern Munich. He he we, we both know.
0: Probably. Well. That that that's also another lie. Bayern Munich don't steal all the best players. Borussia Dortmund do it as well. They stole Marco Rosa from Borussia Munchen Gladbach. They sold stole Mohamed Dehoud. ...and ruined his career from Muncher Kladbach. they They've stolen and Hazard from Kladbach ...and now Marco Rosa. So speaking of Dortmunds... ...they played Hoffenheim at the weekend... ...and drew 2-2 in a game that just... ...is summed up by bad defending... ...from both teams really.
1: Hummels in particular?
0: It, it first started when Dortmund gifted... ...Ilhas Bebu several big chances and it's becoming a bit of a habit for Bebu. and he goes and misses them like he did in that game against Bayern Munich this time instead of against Manuel Noé who was against Marvin Hitz but then right after Bebu misses one of those big chances Dortmund go down the other end and Sancho takes the lead but then right after that uh, Muniz De Bruyne managed to equalise for, for Hoffenheim and then after, after half-time, Marvin Hitz makes a, another mistake, so that's two in two weeks, to, to give Bebou a, a chance to score, which he takes. And it, Marvin Hitz is looking like a, a liability, which is something not good for Dortmund. And then Haaland had a goal disallowed to offside, but then he was able to score again after a Hoffenheim error and managed to rescue a point for Dortmund. But what's funny about that is Hoffenheim had a man down on the floor but didn't play the ball out as they thought they had to the counter-attack on until Dortmund win the ball back after an error and obviously score. And then there's a bit of an argument between Erling Haaland and, and Prosh of, of Hoffenheim. And so Dortmund will be looking to play better during the week against Sevilla and especially next weekend as well, when they are playing Schalke in the Revere Derby.
1: If they didn't beat Schalke, that would just be embarrassing. We, 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 we've been making, just taking the piss out of Schalke all season long. They've won what one game, two games, drawn all of them.
0: They've won one game.
1: Right? Yeah. Exactly. And 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 they're and they and it's not and it's not they're like back on the rise again. They just had a a, a a good streak of like three games, and now they suck again. So Dortmund have to beat them. Surely they're going to use them as as a bit of a platform to regain their confidence, to regain their their playstyle and such, because that's a game you have to win. If they lose it, then I'm pretty sure that just mentally they're going to tumble all the way down.
0: That's that's one thing I do find funny. The fact that Schalke won the one game that it mattered most in. (laughs) Not to break Tasmania Berlin's record, and then they proceed to be terrible after. One team that isn't terrible is Eintracht Frankfurt, who beat Cologne 2-0. So Cologne weren't able to take advantage of their win against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And so the, the standout player for Frankfurt was André Silva, yet again. He's now on 18 goals this season. And, and after a difficult start last year, he's settled in perfectly. And this Frankfurt team is is close to what they were a few years ago when they had Sebastian Haller, Ante Rebic, and Luka Jovic up front, and they've managed to replace them with Andre Silva. Philip Kostic as well is is a standout player, and he just keeps giving assists to players. Well, mainly Andre Silva, but he he did assist from a corner. And it's funny how Luka Jovic has not been able to get in the team because of how how well Andre Silva has been playing. Then finally in the Bundesliga, Leverkusen were playing in Mainz. And Leverkusen were ahead until the eight, in the 84th minute. So it looked like they were cruising to a, a comfortable 2 0 win. Until Robin Gladsler scores his first goal in the Bundesliga and for Mainz to give Mainz some hope. And then Stoker equalised in the dying moments to, give, to rescue a point from Mainz. And the way Mainz have been playing recently against bigger teams such as Dortmund and now Leverkusen it does look like they're going to be able to mount some sort of an escape they're looking like they'll be able to mount some sort of escape from the the relegation zone so teams like Armenia, Bielefeld and Cologne and Hertha Berlin in fact should watch their backs as obviously Mainz are coming for them Now to Italy where we had a big game between Inter Milan and Lazio before, before this game due to results I was aware this game grew in stature as an Inter win meant they would go top because Milan somehow lost and top they did go after uh, an interesting should I say 3-1 win against Lazio I I said in that it's it's a smash and grab performance in the first half as Lazio dominated the ball and they were mainly in, in in Inter's defensive third for the majority of that time as well they just weren't able to create any decent chance to to take really and they were punished when as soon as Inter Milan go down the other end and and win a penalty which is converted by Bicaki they were immediately on the back foot but on on that penalty from where Wesley Hood on Martinez do you do you think it was a penalty yeah yeah i'm i'm pretty
1: confident it was I, 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 He just goes for the ball, misses it, and then just... he, He's going to hit Lukaku's leg. I think Lukaku tumbles before he gets, like, heavy contact. But it, he was going to go down anyways. Uh, so the way I see it, it was, it was fair. And I, I think it's a little bit merciful that he didn't get sent off for being a last-man tackle. Obviously, it wasn't intentional. But, yeah, it could have been a lot worse for
0: him. I think it was a bit of a, a soft penalty. Right. It's, it's still a penalty though, but it was it was a bit soft. And then later on in the first half, a bit of a I would say defensive mix-up. Not, not really. It was a unlucky deflection on Lazio's part. It meant the ball bounced straight to Lukaku, who, it was actually played onside Just, and scored again to make it two 0 to to Inter in going into half time. And then in the second half, Lukaku provided for. Martinez and Lazio got a bit of a consolation goal, and it finished 3-1. And so, the Inter did really beat Lazio at their own game. But one person it is looking up for is Christian Eriksen, who put in another decent performance. And so, do you think that in, that Eriksen is going to be key now, going into the the business end of the league for for Inter Milan? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Especially now that you know your your starters get tired maybe maybe Brozovic maybe Barella maybe Vidal your main midfielders need some rest so they just need some time off and then when you have a a solid replacement for them in this case obviously Eriksen who is really beginning to to make a difference to not be more than average to to be better than that and to and to be a a a player with the quality to win leagues as he's showing himself to be that's crucial especially now that, that the players are tired and all that so I I do think he's he's going to be very very important in keeping up Inter's momentum,
0: and so that does that win for Inter does mean they move one point clear now at the top, and another team that will be regretting them not pushing or getting result is Juventus who who lost the he lost the title challenges Napoli one nil, <laughs> so before before the game, uh, Gennaro Gattuso's job was rumoured to be on the line if Napoli didn't win and so Gattuso was probably very happy to see that Lorenzo Insigne managed to convert a penalty after missing one in the Super Cup early on in the season Juventus will be kicking themselves as it was a game they dominated and they just weren't able to take any any of their chances really which is quite funny when they have one of the best strikers ever in Cristiano Ronaldo on the team unable to score but shout out to Alex Merritt, who was brought in quite late on after David Ospina got injured in the warm up, and he played very well, making some key saves to stop Juventus from scoring. And so, obviously, Juventus are against Porto in midweek in the in the Champions League, and as we spoke about on Thursday, we do think that Juventus are probably going to win this quite easily. Finally, in Syria. We. This was a very interesting performance from Milan against against a mid-table Spezia. You would think that oh yeah, they they will cruise this. They will win easily. They didn't. They lost two 0 in a in a performance where they were dreadful. They were utterly dreadful. They had zero shots on target, and Spezia put on the type of performance you would think Milan would put on them. And if it, if if it wasn't for Simon Pierre and Alessandro Romagnoli, I especially probably could have beaten beaten them by more than two goals.
1: Out of all the terrible performances in that Milan side, the, the one that stood out to me most was David Hernandez's. The, the, this man is one of the best left-backs in Europe. Probably the best one in, in the Serie Air. And he just had just a, a garbage game. He was so slow running back, losing the ball a lot, missing passes. Was directly at fault for conceding the first goal in in an occasion where someone just picked the ball off him. He didn't really turn around and chase, and and it was surprising. I mean, he's never been a incredibly solid defender, just just tracking back. But now he was especially bad, at leaving leaving the two centre backs very vulnerable and and overwhelmed a lot of the time. And he he wasn't as electric and energetic in attack as he usually is. And he really didn't bring anything to the team. I just let everyone down a little bit. So, well, I just hope it's a little bit up on the radar and he can get back to his usual self in the, in the very next match because it was very, very strange to see him this this bad.
0: And so, yeah, it does mean that Milan have dropped down to second and we do have a genuine title race now on our hands between the, between the two Milan clubs as well. But not Napoli, as you said earlier. <laughs> so we're gonna have our our break and then we'll be back with Vega and La Liga. welcome back from our from our break so we'll first start with Liga where PSG played, played Nice and 1-2-1 to take them up to second so it first started when Gillian Draxler took, took the lead it, what's, what's not looking good for PSG is the fact that Kylian Mbappe had a bit of a poor game hopefully that's just a one-off especially with them playing Barcelona in, in midweek but some things never change and Nice were able to equalise. A great goal from Ronnie Lopez, in fact. But were able to equalise after PSG gifted them the ball. They literally passed it straight to Ronnie Lopez. And so it was no- another defensive error that costed, costed PSG.
1: I think it's nuts that we're this far in the season and we've been seeing this trend of defensive mistakes, defensive errors, just a weak backline. And it still keeps on happening. Like, how? Do, 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 are they just like incapable of looking back and thinking okay if, if you're ever like that just do the opposite of that just just it sounds stupid but like w- w- when you see this many times it, you, you feel kind of dumb just looking at it at, 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 at an elite team like PSG and they keep making the same mistakes and it's really annoying
0: uh, they're gonna get punished for it eventually by Barcelona most
1: likely and... who also have a terrible defense but
0: It'll either be Barcelona, or if they progress past Barcelona somehow unscathed, which I highly doubt, it'll be the next team they play up. They come up against and because there's no, there's no way they can get anywhere near to the Champions League final with making that many defensive errors. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. I, th- I think it's just because some of the quality of the strikers in in Ligue 1 yeah, is a little in, bit dodgy. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't expose those errors, and then. The defensive errors continued, but but PSG were lucky and were able to ride it out. As there were periods within the game, Nice could have actually won it, but but they weren't able to until Kien continues his great form and scores scores the winner. But luckily for Nice, who we talked about quite early on in our episodes about how it was quite poor for them and it wasn't looking very good, but now when they have two great centre backs on loans. In William Saliba from Arsenal and Jean Clair on online from Barcelona, they is looking good and they look a a lot more defensively sound than they did before. As it as Tobedo and Saliba both offer experience in Liga and pace and calmness on the ball, which is what Nice need. And as we said, PSG against Barcelona in midweek and that's obviously a game to to watch out for, and so obviously that win for PSG takes them up to second, and that's because Lyon, who were second, lost two one to Montpellier, in in another game where Lyon will be kicking themselves that they were unable, that they were unable to capitalise on any, on anything really, and they, they have dropped points once again. In a in a from a poor performance such as that game against Mets a few weeks ago. And this is becoming a bit of an occurrence for Leon, and it's the type of occurrence that you don't want to have, especially when you're in a three-way title race with with PSG and Leo, who are both quite consistent. And so, obviously, this is an area Leon have to address if they are to challenge for the for the title. And what I, I do think they rely too much on on Memphis to and they're not as much as a cohesive unit as they were last year, for example, in Lisbon. And yes, you've had a good perform- good performances from Karl Toko, Akambe, and Cadaware, but it's it's not enough. Is they're not as much of game changers as as the Pires. What what do you think?
1: Right, uh, I don't watch a lot of Leon games to be honest. <laughs> I don't watch enough Lyon games just, just say it as it is just say it as it is oh, no. right. yeah to be perfectly honest I don't watch Leon play almost ever unless they're playing PSG or, or in the Champions or in Europe so I, I can't give a great opinion on that but from what I have seen I, I, I do think it's just Depay and him him being a good player who inspires others to be better Both both because he connects with them and makes them be better and also because he's a leader who just makes them more energetic makes them more focused and everything and and yeah i believe that that and Kadoveri on their own can't can't do it.
0: And, and so that loss for, for Leon obviously drops them down to third. Leo were playing a mediocre breast team and were looking to to extend their lead really at the top but they were unable to as after a brief period of looking quite promising they proceed to play terribly once again in a game which they definitely should have won. Brest didn't cause them any any sort of issues. They got they had three shots. One on target. Whereas Leo had 15 shots. And none on target. And they were clearly missing. The clinical edge that Yusuf Yazici would bring. And they now have a one point lead against PSG. Which is the type of lead you don't really want to have ahead of PSG. Because one slip up and then you're not first anymore. And it'd be interesting to see how, how Leo bounce back from this, as obviously they've got Ajax in midweek, which is going to be a tough game, and they themselves are not looking that convincing anymore after a brief period of them looking convincing.
1: I think it's just up to Jonathan David to get his shooting boots on. He just didn't feel like scoring this weekend, but, but, but when he's motivated, he's gonna, he's gonna get that hat trick. I believe in him.
0: So now to La Liga, where Barcelona continue to play amazingly, frankly as they managed to beat Alavés
1: 5-1. When you say Barcelona played amazingly, Messi played amazingly and everyone else just followed him. With the exception of Trincao, who who I think is quite interesting because a week or 2 weeks ago he was Barcelona's worst attacker and probably one of their worst players overall as well. He was is not he wasn't even like, oh, he's a young talent who clearly has skill and he's going to improve. No, it's it's not like it wasn't like, you know, like you know you see Pedri and you saw and you saw Jadon Sancho at the start of this season, and you're like, okay, they obviously have quality, but they're just not like always getting performances. Like, no, he just looked like the most average player. And then he scores this wonder goal against Betis, and his confidence had gone through the roof. He was incredible against Alaves, just genuinely. Just dribbles were coming off. He just looked sharp. He was connecting passes, and he was just energetic. He was just motivated, and it made an incredible difference. I've I've never seen him play the way he did and I never thought he could be as good as he was. He scored two goals, and, and it wasn't just that. It it was just a good overall performance where he was helpful to the team in, in every aspect. And well, obviously he was good, and as I said earlier, Messi was, was absolutely wonderful. He is Barcelona. W- without him, they are a, a mid-table club. He pulled all of the strings in attack. Just It, it was just him, basically. It was just He gets the ball, he turns and passes, turns and passes, short pass long pass doesn't matter he just gets the ball up even if he misses a pass it doesn't matter because the next one he gives will pierce the defense and and it was incredible and then he scored two uh, outrageously nice goals and then had another one disallowed his hat-trick disallowed by uh by offside but he was just in- incredibly good and essentially it, it is it like now that he's in form barcelona is looking Scary good. I I I see them very strong favourites for their matchup against PSG in the midweek, as I said in the previous episode.
0: Well obviously it'd be interesting to see how their defences match up against each other. Yeah. Absolutely. As obviously De Jong had to play as a centre back yesterday. Yeah,
1: yesterday, and, and the his presence day. in midfield was his lack of a presence in midfield was noted since he had to play further back. And and yeah, as you said, their defence was they conceded the goal which is a bit stupid to concede as well so against a better team than adavis we'll have to see how it holds up which i don't think it'll hold up very well but as long as they manage to outscore their opposition, they'll be fine
0: and so that that win does mean barcelona third first place atletico madrid just beat granada 2-1 in in quite a tight game yeah it was
1: extremely close the absence of lemar due to due to coronavirus is greatly impacting is great, greatly impacting Atletico Madrid's offensive performance because now that he's not there to to help them bring the ball up, open up a space and such, they seem a little bit stagnant when they when they have to move forward, and and also I think it's important that Felipe is replacing replacing Jimenez in defence, and Jimenez is always a solid, good centre back, and Felipe is sometimes an extremely good defender, and sometimes he's pretty bad, as he has been in these last two games so with him incredibly enough Atletico's defence looks a little bit more unreliable than it usually does and, and, and it showed it against Granada in, 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 in the occasion which they conceded the goal but overall Marco Jorente put on a great performance again right wing back is where he started the game he moved further forwards once Rosalca got subbed on but he's just performing amazingly Carrasco also had himself a great game and well they managed to get away with the win after after improving a lot in the final thirty minutes as they've done a lot this season. So they have managed to maintain their their seven
0: point advantage. But there there will be some areas within that game that will be giving Chelsea some sort of hope yeah, that absolutely. they will be able to somehow try and beat Atletico Madrid. And finally in Spain, across Madrid, Real Madrid were comfortable two 0 winners against Valencia. And so Valencia were unable to mount any sort of a game, any sort of challenge like they did in the reverse fixture a few months ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that for me the main highlight about this is, not to say I'm glad about Carvajal getting injured, not, not at all, they don't get me wrong, but the, this means that, that with him out, Lucas Vásquez will be playing right back again, which is his best position. I, I am of the opinion that Lucas Vásquez is currently one of the top three right backs in La Liga especially with 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 Kieran Trippier being out because of suspension due to gambling issues or whatever and and this was now us dipping a little bit in form Luka Vasquez has literally only played one game as right back in like a month a month and a half but he's always so much better when he has a space to move into instead of when he's pressed against the defence when he plays as a winger so I believe that this will really really help Real Madrid maintain their so on on top spot. Keep keep chasing Atletico because because with him there they just improve so much more. Granted he's not the most solid defender in the world, but he still does a very decent job when he when he has to track back, and, and then he's indispensable at the time of, at the time of attacking. As soon as he got subbed on, Real, Real Madrid just improved massively, and he even assisted the, the the second goal. So I mean that's that's really what's gonna help them throughout the rest of the season. I think. This this unfortunate Kadvachal injury but this fortunate discovery of Luka Vasquez as a right back.
0: And they, they obviously have Marvin Park as well who he played against Otafe in midweek. Yeah. He's, he's another option as
1: well. Yeah, he's looked pretty average. I wouldn't take him against any medium up to top tier team. But if he does the job he he will be fine against some lower teams.
0: But but then it does bring up the question again of why did Real Madrid sell a fresh Akimi?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I I still don't understand it to this day. L- literally one of the world's best right backs. Like yeah, he was pretty bad while he was at Real Madrid. But then he goes on loan, plays incredibly well at Dortmund. And then they're like, oh okay, we've got we've got a, an injury from Carvajal and nobody else. We're just gonna we're just gonna let him go to Inter. And and fortunately they've they, they, they've been able to to cover the loss with with Luka Vazquez and we'll see if if Marvin Park manages to 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 improve to the level where he's Real Madrid quality but yeah it was a very strange very very strange decision to let Antre
0: go. So now we're going to have our musical break and then we'll be back with something quite different. Welcome back from our goal song break. It wasn't a goal song. We decided you, you can listen to the to the mighty Europa League theme tune. So Nick, what do you rate it out of ten?
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. It's fun and it's exciting, and it brings a lot of energy to to the crowd or whatever. I wouldn't say it's as iconic or as special as the Champions League theme song. So I'll have to give it a nine out of ten. But it's a quality piece of music in my opinion.
0: It's it's it is my favourite out of the two. So I'm going to give it a, a ten out of ten. That's quite a hot mainly take. Mainly because it's just a bit more, bit more exciting, really. That is an extremely hot take. And that's where we go on to now. So we we asked over today or the other past few days for your questions and hot takes, and this is something we want to we want to incorporate more. So if you if you want if you want to ask us a question, either we will do it through an instagram story or you can dm it to us or if you are on tiktok you you leave it under one of our tiktoks and then obviously we will answer them as they come in and so we'll first start because it's not, got nothing to do with what we're doing but we will answer it because we're nice people the hot take is reese james and callum hudson should start on the right for england Kieran Tripp what do you is better think? than both of them. Kieran Tripp is better. Uh, yeah, yeah, no.
1: He, he is. He, he genuinely is. He,
0: yes, it, he's better than them, but he shouldn't start on on the right hand side.
1: Yeah, that's true. He should start on the left hand side, where he's been playing quite well, <laughs> in fairness. So,
0: obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold is better than Kieran. Not Kieran. And Kieran Trippier. He's better than Reese James on, he, on his day. He, he's shown on better quality,
1: but he's been in abysmal form lately. So I would Well, most say... of the Liverpool team have. Right, right, right. But but I say Rhys James right now is is better than Trent, like no problem. Wan-Bissaka also has not been that impressive recently, so I, I understand where that's coming from.
0: If we're going off general quality, it'd be Trent Alexander-Arnold as the right back. Right, but he's been in, in
1: abysmal form lately, he's actually been <laughs> so
0: bad. You, you could not
1: start him for England,
0: it, it, it would just be like undignified. And so right wing, Would you say Callum Hudson-Odoi starts there? I don't think so. No,
1: no, yeah. that's Raheem Sterling. You've, spot. You, yeah, Raheem. Sterling that's Raheem Sterling. Or Marcus spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or better than them completely. Right, right, right. Yeah, no. Uh, respect to Hudson Odoi, he's he's a decent talent in that, but he doesn't start for England in the right wing.
0: Uh, will Atletico Madrid win the league? Yes, it's, I would, it's quite. I would tentatively it's,
1: say yes. It's, I, it's
0: quite. It's looking quite. it's looking quite quite certain.
1: seven points with two games in hand it's looking quite nice but i wouldn't mark anything down i'm I'm always i'm always a little bit cautious about this Uh, (laughs) jack is the opposite i I vividly remember him saying napoli was going to win the league and then four games later they're like dying in fifth but it's fine I, i i i do think Let's go have a very good chance a very very good chance of, of winning their first league since 2014 so I will, I will tentatively say yes
0: Uh, Best 11 in the world I we don't have enough time to discuss and debate that we, we, so that is
1: we, we, we made two episodes on the best exercise in Europe so you can you can check that out we will probably do at the end of the season in fairness in fairness yes yeah. so, so either on
0: form or just in general quality but most likely on form and so we will do that with our the amount of episodes we're going to produce in the last Week of the of the season is going to be unhealthy, and you should all listen to them. Thoughts on Joshua Kimmich? IMO, the best player in the world. <laughs> I would say to 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 be fair, I would say Joshua Kimmich is probably the most well-rounded midfielder in the world.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's the best player in the world, but he's one of the best. Another think about it, probably the best midfielder in current form right now. I, uh, he's just almost everything, as you said. He's extremely complete. He defends well. He he, do, he does more than that as well. He distributes the ball. He's good at, at finding spaces, finding his teammates. When he goes up, he's dangerous, which is interesting. He, he dribbles like decently well. He, he, he's made the the absence of Tiwa Cantara at at Bayern Munich to feel less harsh. So I, I would consider him the the current best midfielder in the world.
0: I, I I would also I'm a big fan of Joshua Kimmich mm-hmm. like his technical ability as well as his, the intensity that he brings for example in the club world cup final the other day when Bayern are beating Tigres 1-0 and look quite comfortable Jamal Musiala plays a stray pass and you still hear Joshua Kimmich screaming <laughs> at Jamal Musiala just to of that one mistake and that I think he he is he is a future Bayern captain. Yeah, I
1: have no, heard a lot of people comparing him to Philip Lahm, both in terms of a right back who plays midfield yeah. sometimes, in terms of his leadership, in terms of his
0: playing, just all of it. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if after Manuel Neuer retires, Kimmich is the new captain. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense. And I, I was I was watching videos of that of that Bayern Munich. T- it sounds like it's some old-fashioned team, of the <laughs> Bayern Munich team from last year and. It, And and you know that there was a debate going around about who would win the two thousand nine Barcelona team or this Bayern Munich team, and it got me thinking. Okay, it got me. It got me thinking. Okay, obviously, quality wise and the playing style, Barcelona are better. But if you think about it, okay, the way Bayern Munich play, Barcelona could not deal with that at all. But the way so the way Barcelona played was was the tactical flavour of the time. And what was the way for that like to be beaten? And that was how Bayern Munich played. So I'm I don't think it's gonna, it would be as much of a as like a blowout as people would think. ...I, I genuinely think Bayern Munich could cause Barcelona some issues and could possibly beat them as well I'm just I'm just I'm just pulling that out there
1: I, I you're right in the sense that it wouldn't be a blowout obviously the, last year <laughs> last year's Bayern Munich team was was extremely extremely good and one of the best Europe seen in a while but I mean 2009 Barcelona was something else I, I, and I understand right that, that Bayern plays that Barcelona's counterplay but at the end of the day you just have to like look at how next level good that Xavi Iniesta Busquets midfield was how solid Puyol and and Piquet were in defence and then you know with with Messi just pulling the strings up front
0: what's funny what's funny is is the weakest part on that pitch will be Bayern Munich's right hand side and Barcelona's left hand side which yeah, because right. you have yeah. Benjamin Pav or, yeah. or actually no, no. Because it well, if you stick Benjamin Pavard at right back, then yes. But if it's Kimmich, then then no. Yeah, no. But that true. the Barcelona left hand side would be the weakest because you have Eric Abidal as as left back.
1: I uh, re- respect Abidal. Yeah,
0: respect yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he, he he was. Yeah.
1: yeah. No. I see what you mean. He was good, but he wasn't like. Right. Right. I understand what you mean.
0: Next question do you think that the european super league will see the light of day yes with the so the current i think the current like tv deal for the champions league expires in 2024 and obviously we've we've heard rumors that big teams are want to push for something like the european super league already now so i think it will probably happen but after 2024 as by then clubs will be more and more focused on money them playing football as people will will want to see like Real Madrid versus Barcelona Real Madrid mm-hmm. versus Bayern Munich more than well more because it's either bet it doesn't happen at all those season or it happened once or twice. Um, and obviously people want to see that more. And with the growing in football in, in Asia and in America and especially by then I do think that the European Super League would make some sort of s- sense money-wise, even though I don't agree with it. Uh,
1: the way I see, it, it's going to face so much opposition; it's not going to go through, because because first on an on an organisational level, you have you have FIFA saying that, that, they, oh, that they oppose uh, it. You can't. Right, right, right. <laughs> but also La Liga says that they that they won't let their clubs go, or or they they they're heavily opposed it. I've heard something about Sevilla and and Legan also not being too keen on it, and then on a, on a smaller level as well, you have you have players who who disagree with it, think it's a bad idea, and and most importantly of all, fans hate the idea. I I, I just have not met a person in real life. I, I've I've seen some people on the internet who agree with it, but I haven't met anyone in real life who goes, oh yeah, I I would love the European Super League. Just just everyone sees it for what it is, a, a, an absolute money grab. That would essentially destroy football. You 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 just have all of these dead, boring matchups, which used to be special and amazing. As you said, Bayern Munich versus versus Real Madrid it happens so rarely that when it does happen, it's really such an interesting contest because because you just never see how they shape up and compare to each other. And then there's like, oh wow, it's finally happening. This game that that we haven't seen in five years. Meanwhile, if you have it once every six months, is that that's just dead. It, it just yeah, uses you, how special it is
0: yeah it, it will end up it will get to a point that within 20 years time the European Super League will have the same impact as say the Premier League or La Liga you, Real Madrid versus Dortmund will have the same impact as Atletico Madrid versus Villarreal you know it's not going to Yeah, absolutely. be not Invoke the same emotion.
1: It, it's basically gonna gonna make the the current like domestic leagues transition into the the same thing as a, as a as a second division league because right now you don't really look at the championship that much unless you support one of the teams in the championship you kind of know what's going on same with the same with Serie B and League Two League 2, League 2. and uh, and yeah it's gonna happen if, if all your big teams go to to one massive league just you're gonna essentially relegate the the domestic leagues into what would be a second division everyone would consider them that. And then, and then yeah, as you said, the, the European Super League would eventually just have the same tone as the current league in which you're like, oh wow, Dormant, once one of the greats of Europe is now a mid-table side by, by,
0: by the modern standards. And it would
1: just be really, really boring.
0: And then it'd be an issue of debating who makes it into the Euro- European Super League. Because yeah. yes, you have the big clubs at the time, but then what do you do with teams who who have some sort of history? For example Christian Munch and Gladbach, for example, <laughs> have have won the the UEFA Cup in their past. And they are previously one of the biggest teams in Germany, yeah, fan base uh, wise uh, as well. I think another good And example they they wouldn't make it into the into the top tiers. Same as Hamburg and
1: yeah. Yeah, I think another important example is AC Milan. If they don't win the league, it's been so long since they won the champions and the and the Europa League that they they undercurrent under current definition they would not make it into the into the European Super League, which is stupid. It it, it is just stupid. Seeing both because of their history and because they're actually pretty decent right now. But if they if they don't bring in the the points to qualify themselves to it, they will get left out, which should be unfair. It could be just outrageously stupid.
0: And and then you also have like the up and coming teams as well, like Atalanta mm, yeah, who are arguably a great team in Italy now. But because of their lack of history they, they wouldn't make it even though they could easily compete in it.
1: Yeah, and, and, and back to Atlanta and, and these smaller teams like them and Ajax and such who have these, just almost every year you have these fairytale runs in the Champions League. You cut it off at the knees with the European Super League. It, it just cuts all of this magic.
0: So our next question is, who do we think will win the Champions League this year? That's an interesting question. I, I honestly don't know, mainly because I haven't really thought about it. And because uh, I take the piss and say Brunch and Gladbach will win, <laughs> but apart from that, I genuinely don't know. It, it's so say. early; it's quite difficult to say. I I I think,
1: as always, previous champions have a have a chance, except it's so rare. Only Real Madrid, as everyone knows, obviously, has been the one to win it back to back. So controversially, I would discard Bayern Munich just out of superstition that only that only Real Madrid can win it back to back.
0: Well, with the way Bayern Munich have been playing, and if they don't really pick up their form in the latter stages that I could see that happening
1: right exactly I would also say UV doesn't look particularly strong right now not strong enough to win the whole thing and well PSG are probably going to get knocked out by Barcelona and Barcelona themselves are also aren't very strong so we so I've already discarded like quite a lot of teams so I would out of the remaining ones I'd probably put are probably Man City Atletico Madrid Real Madrid um yeah, not PSG. Not really. Juventus. Mm, Inter isn't in any more. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Those three really. Maybe some. Maybe some English. Other English club as well. But I'm not too sure about that.
0: I obviously, if we go off form, it'd be Manchester City. Yeah. Because they are one of the most informed teams in, in Europe. But obviously, they do have an issue with the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't think this year is going to be any different. And that issue will still occur, mm, whether that be. In the round of 16 or the semi-finals, it will still happen.
1: Especially with a team, with teams that like to tactically outplay their opposition, like RB exactly. Leipzig. If they come up against them, they're really screwed.
0: I, I genuinely don't know who could win right. because each team, there's no standout favour. Each team has a flaw, which can easily hmm. be exposed. Unlike last year, where Bayern Munich were, were strong everywhere. Basically, they, no, everyone is is so. I wouldn't say equal because it's not true, but they all have an area that they could improve on. So I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm also very uncertain on this. I, I, I do think this this is a very good year, even better than the most years for, for underdogs, like multiple underdogs. For example, particularly thinking right now of Sevilla, maybe RB Leipzig, uh, maybe Atlanta, but it's looking quite difficult right now. To, to really pierce through and, and this isn't just one just one IX, one Atlanta T- to get far. Just have them just have multiple teams. Two or three of these that I just said. Just to go far quarterfinals, semifinals, that kind of stuff and, and really throw the balance out.
0: So we've got a hot take now. Marc Andre Stegen is the best goalkeeper in the world. I can disprove that straight away. I can also by, disprove it. by his counterpart is country man
1: Yeah, no. The, the the thing about about, about is he's he's a great goalkeeper. He has great reflexes and great diving, which makes him very impressive to watch. And and, and whenever you see him, he's like, wow, th- this man reaches every ball. Except his positioning is terrible. He has to dive a lot and he has to really r- run around to, to to try and cover because he doesn't have great awareness of of where of the ble- best places to stand. If you watch. Neuer, Oblak and such, you see that, that most of the time they don't really have to stretch out too far because they, they're they in the right position, in, in like an optimal position shall we say, from where they'll expect the ball will come from and such. So that just makes you a much more solid goalkeeper. You're more reliable, you're more intimidating for the opposition. And and Wolterstegen greatly likes that. that. That's his biggest weak point. So I, I would not say... I, I, for me, the current top three goalkeepers in Europe... Are Neuer, Oblak, and Donnarumma. Donnarumma also has uh, slight positioning issues, but it's but overall, I, I would say he's he's better taken currently.
0: And and this is where we can address the the statement that Nick has said in the <coughs> past in the past few weeks that Andre Onana is in the top ten goalies in Europe. I so what I'm going to do, what I'm going he, to do name is, is name my list, Unana. and you can tell me where he'll fit in. Right, right, right. So one If you say Alison in this list I'm actually going to go over And like hit you really hard One Mano Noir well, well Are we going to do a form Or genuine quality?
1: Uh, I, quality Out of Who would you rather have
0: uh, I, mm,
1: we, 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 we can say genuine quality
0: Okay Okay Mano Noya One yeah, yeah Or black Yeah Two but If we're doing genuine quality Three is Alison it's When he's not Playing shit Like now when he's when he's on his day, on his day, right, which isn't now. But I wouldn't day.
1: rate him that highly, but I do think he's top ten, top five even.
0: Four, uh, Courtois. Actually, do I want Courtois? There? Yes, Courtois. Then to Stegen. Okay, I've now kind of ditched the. The top three is certain. After yeah. now, I'm just naming goalkeepers who are in those. Seven other places,
1: yeah. No, that's understandable. De Gea, right?
0: So there's Tostegan, Courtois, De Gea, Donnarumma, Handanovic, Szesny. Uh, then in Germany, you've got Peter Galacci, he's quite good.
1: Andre Nan is better than Galacci, he's better than Keone Castiles, he's, he's better than Castiles. I, prom- I, I promise I probably, Castiles
0: center. One of the key pieces in this Wolfsburg team, and Jan Sommer.
1: What? I, I, you're telling me? you, you think Jan, Jan, Sommer, Jan Sommer is better than Andre? Watch three IX games. Watch three. Well, he, he's suspended now. But Watch three IX <laughs> exactly. exactly. games with Andre Anana. You will see he's better than Jan Sommer. He's better than Galaxy. He's better than debatably better than Hndanovic. I'm a fan of Hndanovic, but I, I think I think Anana is better than him. And and he's and also easily well. better than Chesney. Shezzy is also a great goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but Andre Nana is genuinely world class. Just people I... don't watch Ajax enough. They only watch him in the Champions League, where he doesn't do a lot. But, but exactly believe me, believe it. me, he is genuinely out of quality. He's a top ten goalkeeper in Europe. I stand by this.
0: Well, we we will leave that up to, to everyone else to decide because obviously <laughs> we are both rock, we both disagree with this. We both. I think he's he's outside the top ten not far off it, but he's not in it and I think it's utterly think,
1: insulting, you told me Jan Sommer and... Have you
0: seen I, I Jan Sommer?
1: I have, and he sucks! He is sometimes he's really a great, great! goalkeeper.
0: Exactly, he's, there, he's you a go. Go. there you go!
1: <laughs> he doesn't have the consistency to be better than Andrea Nana. Final hot take!
0: Final hot take! The final hot take of this has got nothing to do with football It's jack-of-shit at Warzone I can tell you now that's false The stats prove it that I'm not and so yeah I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not shit at warzone and that's just been debugged so yeah
1: myth the, busted
0: myth busted so that is it for today please follow us wherever you get your podcasts uh follow us on 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 instagram on twitter tiktok wherever whatever you're on we're on it so follow us on there and yeah if you have questions to ask obviously ask us through there and yeah we'll see you later on in the week we'll see you later on